Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is your moment, your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the streets, streets and politics meet. What's up, my son? Let me just tell you something. What's up? If my wedding ain't like Portia's wedding, I ain't getting married. Portia, I, I can get married. You got a couple dollars, man. I can get married, but it's going to happen. mad now. I, I, said, I said, Portia, you was mad now. I want to go to, if it can't be like Portia's wedding, I'm going to go to the Justice of Peace and have me a nice reception afterwards. And then that's that. I, I want the husband. She married the, the king of Zamunda. You know what I'm She had the, the king of Zamunda wedding. She had two weddings. You know, we didn't make it to the first one, but the African 
themed yeah, wedding. Traditional wedding. Mm-hmm. Traditional wedding. And then the one that we went to was just dope, man. I just want to say shout out to Portia and Simon. You know, Portia be having a good time all the time. I, I love that he allows her to be her. Our sister queen and Asaha was saying that yesterday. Like he allows her to just be her. I didn't even know because I left from from the for the, you know wherever I went. Who knows? Um, and by the time I came back, she was out there performing with Drew Hill. I didn't even know that that happened. I saw yeah. it online. Uh, it was a beautiful occasion of families coming together, of friends coming together, and it was just done so well. And what I appreciate that people don't understand or know or maybe they do know and they just hate Nash trolls is that yes Simon is very well off and you can tell that he loves taking care of Portia but Portia got her own stuff she got her own money she got her own businesses she has plenty of things going on from hair company to clothing she's got the Amazon deal she's involved in all types of things so I'm sure she also was part of uh, her own experience and you know I was talking to bridesmaids obviously Yandy was one of the bridesmaids and they just said the way that they were treated it was so nice and kind and sweet and just a lot of you know love and positivity and you could see that illuminating in their marriage and you know in in their in their uh union and of course the families and whatnot, it was, and that's what I mean. I know I'm being funny when I say, let's do it. You know, it has to be big like this and the third. But what I mean is that the cultural aspect, because that was still present, even in the American wedding, it was still present. The fact that the actual wedding ceremony, the music was the best gospel music ever. Every song, it was church the sermon that the pastor gave and the words that they used to encourage them. It just was so many positive things. And of course, the two of them look like money. They look like schmuck. They look like money. They're getting, they're getting a couple of dollars, man. You know, I just, you know, um, people say, you know, marriage is love and this and that. And it is, you love people. But when you look at the, the kind of money that man got, that's a different kind of money. Like, I'm just trying to be honest. Like I, 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 but I really, but you could tell that they love each other. Being around them from kind of like the Before beginning. That. Yeah, the beginning. From the beginning. You know what I'm saying? So seeing it and just being in, in the clubs with them, just being around, just, just there's an energy of when you just enjoy somebody, you know, and they enjoy each other. She, he's, he's a lot more laid back than she is, but he enjoys her. And she includes him and they include each other in everything. Like there's communication that they have that's just dope. It don't look like, oh, this dude is with somebody and he just here now. Nah, he's enjoying this. No, he's he having is. a good time. She's having a good time. She knows he he's enjoying her. They're enjoying each other. So there's there's this level of chemistry and in, in the bond that they got, man. So I, I'm chemistry just chemistry is the word. Yes. Chemistry you know is the word. They got a they got a yin and yang thing that they got going on. So you know, I was I was blessed to be in the building, so I appreciate being able to to witness that, man. Dope. Yeah, our sister. Well, listen, you know, people try to say, oh, you know, she showed up. Well, I'm gonna make me a t-shirt that say I'm a clout chaser, because you know, I, I remember a long time ago, my old boss. They used to say he's an ambulance chaser, ambulance chaser. And he used to say, call me whatever you want, ambulance chaser. But actually, I'm the ambulance, right? And 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 I don't know how I'm gonna make it spin, but it doesn't fuck you saying that this one is a clout chaser and that and my son is a clout chaser. Like, so 
It's a beautiful thing because what happens is when when you take the time to think that somebody's chasing cloud, you you and you don't even understand the dynamics, is that there's a level of work and there's a level of respect that goes in to you being able to be in certain places and love that you have. You know, there's a level of dedication that you have to what you do that people see, you know, and, and, and it can be misconstrued by some, not even misconstrued because it's intentional hate. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because when you don't even know somebody and you call them out their name and you you decide that they cloud chase it, that's on you. Listen, call me what you want. But I want to put an explanation to it, right? Because I would imagine that when people say you're a cloud chaser, that means you're doing it for likes. You're doing it for attention, right? You're trying to get people to pay attention to you. And, and, that, and that is actually true because it leads to the next topic, Shanquella Robinson, right? Mm. Now, no one said that. So I'm not, I'm not trying to, but I'm sure there was a hater that didn't write it because they might've felt like this is inappropriate time, but they thought it in the back of their mind that me getting involved, Tiffany Loft and myself, and then of course, bringing everybody, you and others into the situation that we doing it for clout, right? They, they, they might, they, I'm sure they said that, but people did not disrespect um, the space and bring all of that negativity to it. And I got to say that because I don't want to, um, misrepresent. But there are people who feel like Breonna Taylor and other things. We, yeah, their family wanted good clout chases. If that's what you call us, that's fine. Because what we know is that the State Department wrote on their report that there was no uh, evidence of foul play on Shanquella Robinson and they was going on about their business. That's right. A body, a body was got back to uh, the body was um, claimed and sent back to the U.S. And, uh, you know, uh, they paid the family had to pay six thousand dollars to get the body back and to get her remains. There was going to be a service and those people was going to be on about their business. Why? Because, first of all, and this is I'm not even and I could give you all kinds of reasons in terms of like, you know, the conspiracies in my mind around these government agencies and the federal government and all of that. But just on a very basic level, it's so much shit happening across this world. There's so many things. You're talking about the State Department, the United States Department. Okay, do you know all of the things? You got the Department of Justice over there. You got the FBI. You got all of this stuff. There's crime happening. There's people missing. There's wars going on. They got so much going on. A black woman who was on vacation with her friends that died and the Mexican government said, you know, it was nothing but alcohol or they didn't even say it was alcohol poisoning, but they didn't really say, hey, 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 there's a, something to happen over here and we need to put some people in, in the hot seat for it, right? They didn't say that. They're going on about their business. When has this country ever stopped everything, stopped their cylinders and, and, and said a Black woman has been harmed or a Black person, but especially a Black woman has been harmed and we need to do a full investigation? It doesn't work like that. So what happens is the clout chases come, 
right? The people, because when I spoke to Shanquella's mama and daddy, they was like, we just trying to figure out what happened to our daughter. We know that the story they telling us is not right, but we don't have the means, right? They was, her father was, was pushing the FBI. He told me the story of how he circled back. He was talking to attorney Crump and I on the phone and he said, as he was at the cemetery looking for a plot for his daughter, the video clip that we now have all seen, it was released and he turned around and drove to the FBI's office to get them to do something for his daughter with this new evidence. So it was all of that that went into it. And of course, on social media, we were out there pushing and demanding that there be some real attention uh, paid to this but not just on social media, people was making real phone calls, sending real emails and really going after and, and, and pressuring the FBI and the State Department. That shit works. It works. So if you, and you know what? There was one comment. Someone said, oh, um, they, and then it doesn't always work, but it does work. At least it'll get you, you know, what they say, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, Right. Um, but there was this one comment where a person, when I wrote, I, I thanked all the people who donated, you know, especially the highest numbers above 500. I thanked them all. I talked about the people on that list and Ky from Kyrie Irving to, excuse me, to Stormy Wellington, to uh, Kimba Walker, uh, to uh, all these people, Grant Cardone. Uh, there were so many people, uh, uh, Courtney Adeyele. Um, uh, a comedian, Little Rel, you know, I, I, I talked about it and I said, together we did this. And so this person wrote, um, I know you don't think you raised all of this money by yourself. This is, well, first of all, unfortunately, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't even bring it up. This doesn't matter. But since people don't understand how things work, you have to, you got to get the record straight as uh, uh, Claire Huxtable. A little bit of straightening. Claire Huxtable used to talk about getting the record straight all the time. And whenever she would say that, everybody in the house knew, oh my God. So let's get the record straight. First of all, there was no GoFundMe until we got involved. Our team, Emil Washington, worked with the family to create the GoFundMe and advise them on how to put all the pieces in place. And because of the nature of how fast the GoFundMe traveled, it kept getting shut down because, you know, people try to steal. Then other GoFundMe's popped up, whether or not these are, is this the official page or not? We, through Michael Blake, who was our brother, former assemblyman from New York, worked with GoFundMe to work out all the kinks on the platform so that they could raise the type of resources they need for all the things that are to come around getting justice for their daughter. Then our friends, people we work closely with, were the first people to come forward with enough of the, the uh, with big enough numbers in terms of what they donated and how they got their friends together to donate. And that is how the, the, the GoFundMe dropped from, I mean, excuse me, it grew from great numbers to astronomical in just amazing in terms of what people came together to do. So no, it doesn't mean we did it all by ourselves. That's why we said we did it together. But you will not take from us. You will not take from us 
what we do every single day out here and how we try to work with families and others to help them through their grief and, and through the trauma that they experience. So if that makes us clout chasers and if being a clout chaser means that you're trying to get the most attention possible and that attention helps to bring justice or a little bit of peace to someone, a family or something to our communities, then damn it, sign me up. Sign me up. You said a mouthful. I ain't even got to say nothing after that, man, because the work, somebody got to do the work that y'all ain't willing to do. So keep call us whatever you want to call us. But we know at the end of the day, these families appreciate it. You know, we, we, we give whatever we can. We try to stand with them. We try to, you know, advise them about things that we know. And we also try to get them the resources that they need along this process. You know, it's nothing can give you back your family member. Nothing's going to give them back right. to filler, but we understand that when when it's time to pay for those, when it's time to pay for the, you know, the, the, the going home services, those things need to be paid for. When it's time to get investigators and all of these people that's, that's going right. to to find out all the things and, and pay for how to find these people that are hiding. Like there is really things going on. So if you're not really pretty, pretty much about to do anything, don't worry about us. You don't right. even need to write that. We heard you say the cloud. We heard it already. You ain't got to keep writing the same thing. That's well. They, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get me a shirt because I'm with it. Anyway, uh, speaking of cloud chasing uh, or whatever, I guess we're now going to take that and I'm going to use that term in a more positive way. But I will say that I posted something today and then I saw right before we started doing the show that you were talking about the issue of um, the internet and how the internet is, yo, the internet is a dangerous, dangerous Very place. Dangerous. If it is not used properly, right? Um, I, 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 my hashtag on my post today was that the internet is killing us. And I hope it didn't go over people's heads because the way that the internet is used sometimes, first of all, too often as a means to um, escalate tensions among all kinds of people. It's not just beef between, you know, two rappers or certain communities. It's a lot of issues that once it gets to the internet, it can get exploited in a way that is very dangerous. You have people, young kids out here that are dying by suicide. You've got trans people that are, are dying also because one, their issues are never really talked about in major platforms, but also because of the way that other people feel in terms of shame and, and things of that sort. There's a lot of stuff going on that this internet that increases and also just looking at the way that um uh, uh that the way that the internet makes the black man look so dangerous a murderer you know whatever just so a robber or whatever is so dangerous the way that we are depicted and the way the internet exposes it and escalates it that it really literally puts our lives in danger every single day yes the internet can be used for some good things yes we can get together and help Shanquella Robinson's family but we also have to be very mindful of what we are invested in and we are so um I was gonna say schizophrenic but it's disrespectful to use that term because there are people who suffer with that. We're so confused. We're so confused that we will 
help people die or help them kill themselves and or one another. And then on the other hand, be so, oh, so I hate that this happened to this person and we so sad about it. We got to like figure this out. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got to figure is, it The thing is there are people invested in what you're talking about, right? So they're not trying to figure, they have figured it out. They figured out that the more that I agitate and I instigate and I promote negativity, it brings views to these channels. And the more that I get views, that's content. And the more that I get paid for advertisement and these companies assign me, don't matter what it is. And if it's negative or whatever, I don't care. They're invested in that. So it's very dangerous because I, when you look at the post that I posted and, you know, even though the, the conflict happened, the, the, the headlines that they post, they create violent, they create a violent atmosphere right so if me and you was arguing if me and you was just arguing on our page and only the people that know us know it cool it's still a, a lot of people but the minute that other blog sites and other you know sites that have five ten million five six million start taking the worst part of that argument right when I said I'm gonna hit you in the face, all the other times I might be like, yo, I don't got no beef with you, bro. This shit is this shit is stupid. And they don't promote that part. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for the part where, oh, he said he's gonna punch him in the face. And that's how they what they do. So somebody who was told that they're gonna get punched in the face, right? Forgets that we actually squash the beef. They just see that this part is being promoted wrong. And now I feel my ego is like, damn, the world is seeing you punk me. So what I need to get, I need some get back. Or my friends who my love friends. me are, see, are seeing me get, or thinking that I'm yeah. getting punked. So yeah. they're going to retaliate against you or your yeah. friends when they see yeah. you. Or just fans of mine who love me that don't really care for you. It creates an atmosphere for them to want to do something to you. You know, and people, and they know this happens because there's a track record. They see it keep happening. They keep, these kids is dying over internet beef and they know that. But they've made a conscious decision that they don't have a responsibility. And only thing they're responsible to do is to make money and get headlines that people want to pay attention to, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's what it is. So until there's a reckoning, a real reckoning to where the culture is like, nah, we're not even letting you feel comfortable in this. Right now, the, the people who are doing it are comfortable. So they want to do the interview and they want to get some, some clout from it. And they want to get somebody to buy their record if it's coming out. So they'll sit down with these I don't even know what to call them no more, but they sit down with them and they, they utilize them for content, you know, and they talk about that. And then as soon as they get into a beef, they, cre they create the atmosphere for it to turn into death or prison. So yeah. Or prison. And that's the other prison. piece. We die in, in more ways than one. Um, and, you know, I just, I woke up this morning, last night while traveling back from Georgia, I noticed that it was brewing. I saw it. I saw several blogs posting about beef between two rappers. And then by the morning, it was everywhere. And I said, I feel compelled, you know, and I couldn't even just call out one blog. It would have been wonderful if I could have just said, oh, this one posted or that one posted it. But it was so many places that at that point, it doesn't even matter anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I, now I feel like we gotta, sometimes I don't think people understand how we all play a role. When I speak to students, I always say to them, be careful about sharing 
negative content between your friends when they get into it, right? Like you don't got to amp it by putting it on the internet because once you do that, you're helping to create, as you said, ego, ego gets involved. I was one of our friends, Erica Ford out in, um, in, in Queens that does very important anti-violence work at Life Camp. She talks about the fact that, and for the, you know, again, I'm trying not to say people's names because we're not trying to promote the same stuff ourselves, but she talks about two camps in Queens that was beefing years ago. Both of the individuals who are major artists have moved away, live completely different lives, and there are kids still dying today over that beef from way back then. They're still dying over that beef. Same thing, you go to Chicago right now and try to find out what's the issue between, what is it, Cabrini Green and some other housing projects. What's the problem? This is great-grandfather shit that's been going on for 30 years, 40 years in in these communities. And it's still carrying on over something that probably was not even the people who had the beef in the first place. Yeah, right? tell us it, was yeah. it ain't even that serious. So we have to think about that when you're sharing it and you're promoting this information. What is the, what is the goal? What are we trying to do? Because guess what? And I, and I'll say this and be done with it. We, even though I started out by saying it's a lot of conflict between a lot of people, a lot of communities and the internet exploits it all. Guess what? we the ones dying. Our kids are the ones that are dying on a daily basis. So other communities might be going through their shit too, but ain't nobody dying like Black people are dying and like young Black people are dying. So when do we all take a responsibility and get, you know, get in the game? Responsibility, responsibility. My thought of the day. I know folks going to say, I don't want to vote. I don't care about voting, this and that. And that's fine. I ain't trying to convince you. I'm talking to the ones who understand. There is an agenda in this country, my son, Lennon. And the agenda, right? The agenda is very detrimental and dangerous to us as people of color, as Black folks, and particularly marginalized communities. All you got to do is listen to Herschel Walker talk and listen to the people that support him and the people he supports. That's all you got to do. You don't got to take Tamika Mallory's word for it. Just go do your own research. Listen to the man speak. And I'm not talking about his lack of, uh, you know, uh, the right words to say or to the shit. Because sometimes some of the shit, the way he say it, my family members talk that way. I, I hear white folks talking that way. I hear a lot of people that speak that way, especially when you're somebody that's from the South and this is just how you communicate. Yeah. That's not the issue. Because for is. us to narrow it down to that, we're actually missing the real point. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't care if you use slang, country talk, southern boy. He's saying some shit that's going to be detrimental to your motherfucking life. You got to listen to what the man is saying. The people who support him and the people who he's talking about supporting. And this is what you got to listen to. I am not sitting here telling you that Raphael Warnock is perfect or even, listen, when I watch, and by the way, I know Raphael Warnock very well. Raphael Warnock, I consider to be a friend. 
right? But when I saw the white woman speaking to him about her issue, and then I wasn't there, so I can't tell you all the things that happened. I'm just talking about on face value. Then a black man walks up to him and asks him about reparations, and he brushed him off, didn't want to talk about that issue. And I know they'll say, well, no, it was because the way the man approached him and it was this and it was that. Okay, I wasn't there, so I can't say uh, for sure. But I know exactly. I know how the Democrats do around the issue of reparations and how they run from and don't want to discuss it. And they they use it. They say it's a hot button. It's a it's a um, hot rail issue, a third rail issue, and they don't want to talk about it. So it makes sense that you would brush off a black man who wanted to speak to you about something. And Raphael Warnock actually knows better. Reverend Warnock knows better okay dr warnock knows better senator warnock knows better but it is the way that democrats have boxed themselves in and and and, and i guess a lot of ways which we talked about some black folks see the republican party doing something else and they like well shit i like that i like what they're doing just saying whatever the hell they need to say and and and, and standing 10 toes down on their position only thing is we want the position to be morally on code that's the only th difference right all I'm saying is that December 6th is the last day to vote. It's not, it's not the beginning, it is the end. And between now and then, early voting is happening. Ask yourself why Georgia, the state of Georgia, would go to court to try to stop people from voting on Saturday. Why would, why would the state of Georgia try to stop? That's my thought of the day today. Why would the state of Georgia want to cancel early voting on Saturday, which is a day when most Black folks would go and do their last minute voting. Why would they want to tamper with early voting if they thought that whether it be, if they wanted a fair election, Senator Walker or, I mean, Senator Warnock or Herschel Walker, they're trying to rig the system so that the agenda that they have decided on putting judges in the courts, conservative judges in the courts. We've already talked on this show many times about things that's happening in the courts around this country, okay? Uh, abortion rights, which is your right to choose, locking people up, more mass incarceration, all of those things. And, it, and the list goes on and on. That's their agenda. And yep. Herschel Walker is gonna be one of those to help uphold it. So do what you think you should do. And by the way, Stand on your square. If you want to vote for him, you go and you do that so that history can record where you stood. But to stay home and do nothing is, to me, asinine. Makes no sense, man. Like vote. I said, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not, by, I'm not, no, I'm nonpartisan. You're no, not nonpartisan. That is a lie. You think you know you're not. I just don't like the people. Like, I just, it's just, I can't see me voting for, for Herschel Walker. I just, I'm just like, what am I, like, I'm just sitting there looking at these people like, am I in the twilight zone? Sometimes I really just sit there and I'm like, wow, this is, this right here is who they got running for, this is the man right here, they running for the place, man. Half of America supports these people. And it's just like, when you sit there and you think about that, you say, wow. You got to think about the mindset of the individual that's going to vote for Herschel Walker. You, that, that's what I, I've been just I, like, you got to sit there. Like, what are you actually thinking? Like, what is it that you, 
invested in? What are you putting your vote? Like, what do you see happening? You understand? Like, what, what is it exactly that you are doing? And it's just and, like, I just be taking that. And so am I. God help us. Moving on. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans, to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So we've got a, a good guest on today, and we're trying to close this year out strong, Mice, with these good old financial right. experts, health experts, all about our empowerment, man. And this story is so inspiring. Of course, we love Steve Harvey and have had the opportunity to spend time with him in a social setting. And even in the social setting, he's still educating and mentoring and, and teaching and working on personal development with folks around him and, and especially us as people who are younger than him. Um, and just to see what the team looks like of all these people who come together every day to work on his empire um, and those that he empowers, it's really, really, really such a, a, a just a brilliant story and so inspiring. And a young man that we have joining us today uh, is no uh, less inspiring, even on his own, a super brilliant businessman, business development expert, and um, who, who works really closely with Steve Harvey. So let's introduce this young man. Uh, his name is Tabidi Stevens. He is the Chief Strategy Officer and International Business Development Officer for, uh, excuse me, Business Development Director for Steve Harvey Global. He also runs um, all of Steve Harvey's Middle Eastern work and things that he's doing in Africa. Uh, he owns the rights to or helps Steve to acquire the rights to uh, Family Feud Africa. So there's so much going on. And the story of how they come together is so powerful. So let's get Sabidi on with us to talk about um, his life with Steve Harvey. Well, welcome to BD, man. I, I just want to say we, we're happy to have you, man. Thank you for having me. Um, like I said, uh, off camera, you all have a, a big platform, so I'm, I'm aware of the show and just love what you all are really doing for the community, like the spotlight. And then you all say a lot of real things, so I just appreciate y'all, you know, and I'm yeah. actually excited. So, you know, let's go. Well, I, I just want to thank you. And I just want to know, like, how old are you? Because when I'm listening to this bio, it sounds like we're talking about like a 50, 60-year-old man. Yeah, so I just turned 30 um, in July, so I'm, I'm getting up there. Wow, 30 years old. Well, I just want to say we appreciate you. The hard work that you had to do to reach these levels, man, is, is crazy. So as a Black man, I just want to salute you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, but we just can't start. Yeah, so, I, so this story uh, that I've heard uh, on the internet so many times and I was really inspired by it is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you to come up here. Um, it's the story for me 
means so many different things. You are best friends with Steve Harvey's son. He uh, was best man, I think, at your wedding. And he's going to be best man. In the oh, he's going to be best man. Okay, see? And um, he was asked by his dad to work with him. So Steve tried to recruit his son to come and work with him, looking for that young, fresh energy. And his son said, no, actually, dad, you need to sit down and work with Tabidi Stevens, my friend, right? He knew you already, obviously, but he was trying to give his son an opportunity. And his son, and this is what I mean by how layered it is, this young man, instead of just trying to figure it out on his own, maybe doing a good job, maybe not, he said, no, I know my homeboy is more uh, a fit for this position and he's someone you need to work with. People don't pass along opportunities like that, number one. And two, you know, for Steve to take his advice and then trust you, that's also pretty powerful. How did that feel and how did that experience unfold? Um, so to answer how it felt, I mean, it felt unreal, right? I mean... I never in a million years, you know, you don't become friends with somebody because of who their parents are. At least I don't, you know, um, he's my best friend, not because he's Steve Harvey's son, but because I know, you know, we met our first day at school at Morehouse. Um, and I know that, you know, I've seen him break his hand, helping me not get beat up. And, you know, he really has my back. Right. So I, I judge him on the character. Um, and that's probably why he recommended me for the position. But uh, Broderick and I met at Morehouse. So we became friends at Morehouse. I had a shoe company called Steps by Stevens. So for every pair of shoes that I sold, we would provide meals to women in children's shelters nationwide. And Broderick used to help me with my creative direction for that. So we did really well, uh, did that all throughout school. Um, and Mr. Harvey has his mentorship camp. So the Steve and Marjorie Harvey Foundation, they throw a mentorship camp where they foster, um, you know, just try to teach fatherless boys manhood, you know, the most at-risk youth, just show them opportunity and a way out. And um, I think sophomore, junior year, I went to the camp with Broderick. And I thought we were just going to be having fun, but Broderick ended up working. And, you know, if your best friend is working, you spend the night at his house, I'm not about to play basketball. I'm going to help you work so we can, you know, have fun. Well, what that ended up turning to was uh, like a, a reoccurring role. You know, I built a reputation for myself there as a hard worker. Um, and for me, I just saw it as an opportunity to meet Fortune 500 CEOs, but Mr. Harvey's put these at-risk youth around just motivational character. So it might be the CEO of Under Armour, CEO of United Airlines. Um, so I just saw it as an opportunity to kind of network and meet, you know, new people. Um, and then from there, uh, Mr. Harvey called me one day and I was like, hey, I love the work that you're doing. Like, keep coming to my foundation. You know, I want to talk to you more. I see something in you. You sound really special. I was like, all right, thank you, Mr. Harvey. I appreciate it. Uh, so we started just kind of working on small deals. You know, I started working with them like in research and development. And uh, we were tasked one day with uh, finding a franchise. So, of course, me being who I was, we took it a step further and ended up doing an extremely good deal that I later found out structurally wise was the best deal to come through the company at the time. I was 22 and Project was 23. So mm -hmm. after that meeting, uh, Mr. Harvey being very pleased with the deal and how it looked, he approached Broderick. And was like, hey, son, like, you know, I really need you to come help me on this road to a billion dollars. I want you to help me come learn the family business. Like, I love all the work that you did in the deal. And I really commend Broderick because I wasn't even in the room. And it's just like uh, just a testament to his character because he was like, hey, dad, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, I was there representing your brand, but Tabidi executed all the work. And like, 
I know you want to give me this job opportunity, but if you really want to make it, like you should hire to be. Um, so, yeah, that's. Wow. Like, I try to summarize it short, but yeah, that's okay. really how it went. Now that that's real friendship, man. So, so what 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 is your task? Like, what exactly do you do? Uh, in my role right now? Yes. So, um, like you said, I'm chief strategy officer. So, um, Mr. Harvey which a lot of people don't know, and I'll probably get in trouble after this interview, but he's like a very sophisticated businessman. So he has an extremely sophisticated portfolio with a lot of subsidiaries and, and minor companies underneath it. But he's also the world's number one TV host, right? So he's on TV and radio probably 12 hours a day, 12 to 14 hours a day, yet we still have to run these businesses. So um, myself, along with uh, Brandon Williams, who's our general counsel and our COO, and um, Christelle Cissé, which is like our chief development officer. Um, between the three of us, we basically all manage sectors of the business, right? Um, and we all work with him because he, him being on stage all the time, we are the people who actually run the day-to-day -day of all the businesses. So I think I might, I can't even name how many projects I have under my belt right now. Uh, and we build our teams. But my main responsibility and role is strategy, of course. So um, I spend probably the most time with Mr. Harvey uh, than anybody. So I have a clear understanding of everything and the objectives that he wants to receive and what that he wants to do. And then, of course, I'll implement that. So um, managing corporate relationship with our partners, so whether it's WME, ABC, um, our producer shows, whether that's um, going over financials um, with our CFO or any of our products and our businesses because with his life being so big there are a lot of different things that we have to get you know look over right so i can be working on the tv show i could be working on an international business deal i also manage his investment por uh, portfolio so like all our in-house investments so all these opportunities anything that steve harvey's invested in probably comes across my, my desk brandon's desk or christelle's desk um, and if it, one of us are not on it's probably not a real a real deal um, or a real opportunity so i mean the strategy um operations, organization, um, investment. I mean, it's, it's extremely diversified. And I think it's that way because I came from a chief of staff role originally. Um, so I was already already working like every sector. So, um, I mean, it's kind of makeshift, you know, it's not like I'm working at a Nike where it's like, hey, I'm a marketing person, I only do marketing. I work for a big Fortune 500 brand who's a person, so he is Nike. So mm -hmm. I might be doing a marketing deal with our marketing partners. I might be going over a PR report. I might be uh looking at a gold mine in africa <laughs> um you know so it's extremely how, diversified but i'll how say often, how often do you bring him deals that he's you know unaware of or maybe not necessarily interested in where you've got to try to help him see how lucrative it can be all the time um i'll one thing i'll say about mr harvey that i commend him on is uh he doesn't he always says you have to surround yourself with people smarter than you right and with that being said, he might not necessarily understand exactly what I'm doing if it's a crypto deal or it's, um, it can be last mile delivery or he might not actually understand, you know, how to read a, a PE chart or understand how we're doing the stock and investment. So um, usually we take, we sit down and we'll go, go over it, right? So Mr. Harvey, we all have the ability to walk it up to the finish line. But one thing Mr. Harvey is, he's very hands-on with all his deals. So he signs every deal and he's not signing it until he understands. So I'll say, 75% of the time is usually explaining really 90% because he wants to be able to explain it to a child. Like he needs, he needs to be able to explain it to anybody he's working with and it's his money. So, you know, he wow. that. that must be a, a, a very 
crazy dynamic that you're working for your best friend's father. Is it weird? Is it fun? Like, how how is it? It's really crazy because, um, like, you know, in our culture, right? Like, the first thing my father said was, hey, man, don't mess up that man's money, <laughs> right? And he's giving Mr. Harvey, like, physical permission to beat me, right? And I'm probably <laughs> the only employee outside of his sons that, you know, that he can actually put his hands on. And I won't say anything, but it's amazing. It's literally, like, working with my second family. Um, the Harveys are really like family to me. Um, I feel like it's a different level of loyalty. You know, like I know no matter what, like I have his back because at the end of the day, is my best friend, right? So he has so many levels of respect for me. You have, you're my best friend's father, you're an older male, you're my boss, um, you're a mentor, you know? So it's a, a crazy dynamic, definitely. Um, but what I will say, and that I commend Mr. Harvey on, it's like, he really put me in a position to, to, you know, win. And if, if I mess up, he gives you the rope to hang yourself. Right. So, um, he really, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Has there been a time you said crypto and I know crypto is losing a lot of money right now. Mm -hmm. So has there been a time when you did, when things didn't go so well and how did that play out? Because one of the things that we learned, uh, after spending some time with Steven. And by the way, Steve is very supportive of us. He's very supportive of me. Um, you know, always encouraging, very kind. And he is funny as hell, even <laughs> when he's upset. So even when he's explaining something to you that is like, you know, F this shit, man, he still is making you crack up laughing and he's not laughing at all. So <laughs> what's that like? <laughs> Um, so to answer the question about messing up, uh, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. No one's a perfect investor, but we were, I, we do rarely lose money. So, you know, if you want to win, thing. come, come with Steve Harvey and you can come <laughs> win with us. But, um, nevertheless, that happened instances where we took taking losses, right? Um, stock market crypto is an example right now. BlockFi just announced they're insolvent, right? So that's two major firms. It's probably about to be a crazy wild, wild west, but also, um, you know, for every loss, you just, I just try to have more wins, right? Um, and for me, I take it very personal. You know, when I lose, when I, I don't like to lose. I'm like, I'm a competitive guy. And my boss is also very competitive. But what I will say, he's super supportive. And he also knows, like, the best part about working for Steve Harvey, that I tell people all the time, is I work in a 100, 24-7, like, atmosphere of positivity, motivation, losses happen like that that guy you see on the internet that's really him all the time like I probably am a walking Steve Harvey you know voice recorder or memo machine right because that's the type of environment we are in so um and the times that we've taken losses even right now in crypto uh, what I will say yes we've taken a loss in crypto however we have positioned ourselves and hedged our bets to where he's not taking a you know 100% loss right we've positioned it where you're going to you know, your stop loss is 10%, right? 7%. So it's a lot of money, but it's also recoverable. So whenever I take a loss, um, he's not the best person to talk to, you know? <laughs> he's not the easiest. And like, yeah, y'all know comedian Steve Harvey, but don't forget, he still has that other side. Y'all remember the Kings of Comedy? And uh, he's not the best person to tell something something bad to, but he always takes it on the chin. And uh, he was a guy who was homeless and lived in his car, right? So he always sees the positive side on it. So uh, he'll be mad at me for a little bit, but then he also understands his business and nothing, nothing in business happens without risk. So. Nah, that's, that's, that's real. You know what I wanted to know? So 
what what exactly do you do in Africa? I, I know that you do like Middle East and Africa. Like, what's over there that y'all doing over there that you are focused on? Were you um, on the trip? Were you on the trip when he went to Ghana for the first time? Yes, wow. Yeah, that was. That's why I wanted to go. I started encouraging our team, like, let's go to Ghana, uh, and we did everything we had to do to get there. Which it wasn't. It's it's not. It doesn't have to be expensive, but the way we wanted to go, we put up a pretty, yeah, exactly. We put up a pretty pretty penny, but I wanted the Steve Harvey experience. When I saw him cry in those dungeons, I said, this is something that I have to do. And we did it in April wow. of this year, and it was so, 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 so powerful. So you were powerful. there. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was there with him. Um so yes, I was there with them. Yes, I do recommend uh, one of my coworkers, Brandon Williams, actually, our, our COO. He he told me something that I really commended him on. He's from Atlanta, Southwest, you know, Southwest side of the, you know, normal and a guy, right? Super affluent, super smart. But he promised he's been making money a long time. And he was like, you know, I've never been to Europe. And I was like, well, why haven't you been to Europe? Like you go to places I've never even knew existed. Like, why haven't you been to Europe? And he told me, I promised myself I would never go to Europe before I went to Africa. Hmm. and it was like that was like a aha moment for me it was like i don't get you know we're always so fascinated with you know european country and cultures and stuff we don't even think to go to places where we're from so that's just a little tidbit i'm like i highly recommend everyone to go to africa um but yeah so while we're in africa so mr harvey went to africa for the first time probably 10 12 years ago and he said when he got off the airplane it was like him uh coming home to a place he's never been and that was just so um, emotional and touching towards him. So uh, that was his first taste in Africa in about 2017, 2018. It's so crazy how it happens because I don't even think we've ever even told this story. But we had got news that this talk show was being canceled by NBC. Um, and, you know, that's the, the talk show. They actually end up winning the ownership, like buying the ownership of his show, bought himself out the contract, bought the ownership and then sold the show back to NBC. So that's, you know, NBC really did, didn't like that because they said it was the first time they lost a talent to an, uh, an agent and not another network, right? So they ended up saying they were going to cancel our show 2017, 2018. And um, like a lesson that I learned is like always have options. Like never just have one stream of income because that's too close to zero. If they turn off that stream of income, you hurt. So that's why Mr. Harvey always has the radio show, multiple talk shows, books, because he always has optionality. So they said they were canceling the show. And, you know, instead of sitting in, in self-doubt and pity and everyone in Hollywood at the time was saying he's over, he's done, he's canceled. He was like, he sat down and we got an email from the Botswana Diamond Council. So I don't know if you guys know, but majority of the world's diamonds come from Botswana in Africa. De Beers has a headquarters there. It's like 90 or 80 something percent of the world diamonds come from Botswana, right? You would never know. I didn't even know where Botswana was. So we ended up going to the Botswana Diamond Council meeting in 2017. And from that meeting, I mean, the amount of opportunities, Mr. Harvey met the president of Botswana at the time. And he ended up calling Brandon Williams when I was in the room with him. I was like, hey, Brandon. He was like, yes, sir. And one thing, Mr. Harvey, he doesn't, he says stuff and just expects it to happen. So he said, I want to do TV and Africa hung up so Brandon calls me and like did he just say he wants to do family feud in Africa I said yeah man so and I actually commend Brandon Brandon actually led all the all the actual legal negotiations and stuff for the license like that was actually 
his deal. Um, I was, you know, there with him, but that was actually my first big international deal. So Brandon really led all that work. So I have to make sure he gets his credit where credit is due on that. Um, but after Mr. Harvey said that, he kind of just got off the phone and never before had it been done. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but TV licensing, how it works is you can have a hit show, call it Family Feud. They can either sell you the American version that's on TV now, but a lot of places don't speak English, right? So they'll do their own version of the show, Family Feud, China, you know, any India in their own languages. So that's called license. So you have to buy those licensing rights that you pay Fremantle, which is the parent company. Well, we, Brandon went to Fremantle and told them they wanted to do TV and outfit. And what I'll commend them on, like, they're amazing partners to us. And they were like, you know, we don't think it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to do it, but here you go. If you want to buy it, you can buy it. So it got the rights. And 2018, Brandon and myself spent 125 days in Africa. And that's, we were taking, I think, six, seven meetings a day because one, it had never been done. Two, we were trying to create a new will. Um, and from Family Feud Africa, it ended up debuting a year later. It was the number one show in South Africa, number one show in Ghana. Um, that's my first executive producer TV credit. So um, we did multiple years. And if it wasn't for COVID, we'll still be running now. So we're actually looking back you know, how to get back. But the thought was not to just do entertainment, but the thought, Mr. Harvey wants to do business on the continent. His main goal is to bridge the gap between African and African-Americans. But how can he do that? The easiest thing for us to do is TV. But once we got on the continent and started doing TV, then all the other business opportunities start coming. We started meeting with real business people because we're there so much. So starting in TV, now um, Melt Africa, which is the name of the company, um, we're in everything from, you know, offshore oil and gas, last mile delivery, we're investing, um, we're working about working and looking to get in, uh, agriculture and infrastructure. Um, and of course, like the same Harvey's Ventures, how we invest in technology over here, we're doing it on that side. So um, currently doing business in South Africa, Botswana, Ghana, um, we're looking at the proper way to do it in Nigeria, Uganda, Congo. And we also do business in Egypt right now. So that's just on the African continent. And that's either in, um, a lot of it's not really even an entertainment, to tell you the truth. Um, but entertainment, um, investing through you know, our venture capital office, um, strategic partnerships. So yeah, we do, we're, we're in everything. And um, the main goal is to start, figure out how to do business. And then we can go and go to a Kevin or go to a Chris Rock or go to a LeBron and be like, hey guys, like we figured out this infrastructure. Now let's share the blueprint and y'all can go do it too. I got a couple of dollars, man. You know, I'm gonna give them to you, man. See if you right. can double triple it, man. We, right. we gonna put a, we, we gonna give Tabidi our money, man. Listen, <laughs> my money on Tabidi. I'm actually mesmerized listening to you. Sometimes yeah. we talk to people and we're like, okay, 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 okay. But just listening to you, I was like captivated by how easily you explain these things. The big words, because I, I used to have this problem uh, when my son and I first started working together. I used to be like, I don't want to speak at those places because I don't know how to use all of these big words, you know. And it's not that we don't know them, but sometimes you just don't even feel comfortable being in these rooms with these people who are talking all this stuff and you just like speak. No, you know, not normal, but just right on your level, whatever that means. Thank you. And 
And he said to me one day, he's like, yo, people don't be knowing what you're talking about anyway when you get to these words. Like you just need to speak like Tamika. Don't worry about trying to speak like the Harvard grad. Just speak like Tamika, it's fine. And I realized that my message began to resonate more. So as I'm listening to you, I know you know what you're talking about. You're actually doing this stuff. And you're not just like repeating some shit from a book that you read somewhere, but actually it's lived experience. I would give money to throw it in the air to go to Africa for 125 days. I would love to do that, you know, but my life is just not set up that way but I would love that because the time that we were there it wasn't enough it wasn't enough as we got to the end we went to Egypt Ghana and then Kenya and and as we got to the end the business opportunity started to come the people started wanting to know more about who we were and what we were there for and what have you so it's very clear that you have to become one with the land and one with the people in order to get from it the benefits, you know, of being there. So anyway, it's powerful. I didn't have a question. I just wanted to say. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. Like, I really pride myself. Like, I never really, you know, expected to speak or even get highlighted for the stuff I do. Because I really just, like, it's always been who I am, right? Like, I've always been the person, like, I'll help anyone start their business or grow their business because I want to get more practice in helping businesses. And, like, I just believe, like, I, I get out what I receive. Like, I'm going to receive two times more than what I put out. So I tell people all the time, like, if anything, they're like, oh, what's your nickname, BD? I was like, man, I feel like I'm the hope. And the reason I say that is because, like, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Like, I'm the most normal person in public schools. I used to walk, you know, two and a half miles to the bus to ride a 40-minute bus to ride a 30-minute train. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was selling candy. I played sports, class clown. Like, I'm only one of my friends in high school to go to college, right? So for me, it's like, Yes, I can talk and we can use big words, but at the end of the day, the message doesn't matter if it's not being received. So for me, I just like to be able to talk to people and like, just because you don't know what equivocation means or how to use it in a sentence doesn't make you dumb. It just means that you, and a lot of times it's just in our, it's not in our vernacular because the people around us aren't using it, right? Mm -hmm. So while we're going to use the word that people around us aren't using, if you're not trying to get higher education, you're probably really not going to use it. So for me, I just like to be able to talk. Like I do a lot of high school speaking. Like I told you, I'm the only one of my friends to go to college. So out of high school, you know. So I like how to make sure. How many how many hours do you work a day? Twenty four seven. Like <laughs> my like my fiance, she gets mad at me now. I mean, so can I tell you what it really is? I at one point in my career, Steve Barber, I got the job at 22, 23, and I just kept getting promotions. Right, like every three months, four months, you know? And I started, like he brought me in, it was like working your way up from an assistant, right? But for me, it was just like the opportunity cost. But, you know, at one point in time, I was 26 and Mr. Harvey was 62. So he was literally my age the other way around. And he's, he was the hardest working man in Hollywood. He had that name before I even started working for him, right? At one point when I started, we had seven TV shows, radio show, we had a book and we were traveling. So for me, I literally, I tell people all the time, like if Steve Harvey has a school of success, this is like the Steve Harvey Business School. So people who've been around him, who really listen, the Lala's of the world, the, the Kevin Hart's, like if you really take this blueprint that he gives you, they're all uber successful. So I felt like um, when I first started working for him, we were living in Chicago. Radio starts at five o'clock. We'll be at work at 4.30 every day. And then after he does radio, 
he starts taking his TV meetings, so he does radio from the TV station. We'll be at DC from 4.30 to 10 p.m., and he will do that every day, and he's 62. Mm. So there's no way, like me being who I am, all right, boom, you at work at 4.30, 4.27, I'm sneaking in. Like, I don't care if it's a minute. Like, I'm going to try to beat you, and I'm going to, if I fall asleep, I'm going to try to stay up and, and, like, stay after you. So I think he just instilled a work ethic, and I see him. You know, I see him hustling and he has way more money than me. So if he's still hustling this hard, I don't have the time or the opportunity, right? It's like monkey see, monkey do. And it's like, I'm working with like Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, you name your great, you know, so I would not emulate. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not healthy. Like we take breaks. I take breaks, but probably my first call, depending, my first call could be at 3 a.m. And then, you know, I don't know. I'll take my last one, like eight, nine, but it depends, like. I work on a world clock. Mm. So I might have those calls and then I might also be on the set and have a few hours or, you know, we work a lot though, for sure. Well, so what, what do you want your legacy to be? Like you're already 30, you, you're creating such a, a bar for yourself. So what, what do you ultimately want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? He helped the people. Mm. Like, however that happens, I, um, like, I really, at the end of the day, like, the reason I do business, one, because I want to be a gangster, but, you know, I'm 165, soaking wet, so I can't, you know what I'm saying? You gotta, another, <laughs> this is another level, this is the real gangster right here now. I'm yeah. trying to tell people, like, because that's what I'm doing, coming from the streets and being in the streets, being involved in street activity, prison, all these things. And as I grew, you know, this level of power and this level of, machismo and stuff that we glorified he never competed with these rooms and these billionaires and millionaires and when you start to realize like that's what the real gangster is the gangster got his family he taking care of his mama he moved like the, this is what gangster is so you yeah. right now you're one of the biggest gangsters i ever met man i, I appreciate it man uh, i like honestly like cats like you wallow like i really love y'all stories like that was, you know when you're the smart kid like, you know, you be smart and funny. They, everybody like, BD, man, like, get out of here. You know, and I really attest to, that to, like, a lot of people I know. Like, yeah, all the folks, I know the people doing it, and those are my guys, right? But I also appreciate them because they'll be like, hey, Tabidi, like, you don't really need to be, like, come on, bro. Like, you got, you got scholarships, college, bro. Like, get out of here. This is what we about to do, you know, so. Yeah, and, that was, and that's what it was about. Man. But I, I just want to say I'm inspired. I'm motivated. I'm going to put my couple little coins together, see if we can double or triple them. You know, just keep doing what you're doing, man. I salute you, you. for real. Thank you. And then I want to make sure I get y'all contact, too, because, I mean, you know, I just want to have y'all oh, contact. No, you told just, me it's just, great. Just, no, oh, yeah. so I, I, thought, I thought the interview was over, so I just nah, want to Nah, Trent, we're going to get you weekend to weekend this information. Yeah. Look, you're sitting there making billions. We're going to get some money. When, you, when are you going to start having children? My girl wants so. We're getting married next June in Lake Como. I thought it was going to be Atlanta, but uh, so she's doing that. So she said she want to start on honeymoon, but I'm the oldest of four. So I got I got kids in high school. My little brother just texted me this morning, like at 7 a.m. How many uh, squares of cologne do I put on and where? I'm like, okay, who are you trying to impress? Yeah, yeah, yeah like trying to get in. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing wrong with that. Right. No, I think it's just, it's really empowering to know that um, you are, have been empowered by Steve Harvey, but then you're not, 
because some of our people are empowered and they don't show up, right? They don't, it's just the truth. They don't, they don't show up. They don't do the thing they need to do to be the guy or the gal in the room, right? And I, I hear you talking about the work ethic. So many of our young people believe that it's supposed to just be turnkey. It just happens. Turn on the phone, boom, million dollars. And it is not like, I don't know anyone that may, and I know there are people out here that they have TikTok and different things and they just made money off of something quick and easy, but that's not the story generally. It's not, you know, and, and I, I worry about our generation of young people that's coming behind because they, you know, they, they, the stress level, the anxiety that is happening as a result of folks who really don't want to work that much or work that hard. And I get it. White supremacy has created a situation where working yourself to death is actually making us more successful, but it's physically killing us. So I don't know the balance. I really don't know the balance because we work all the time too. We live, eat, sleep our work, but it's, it's not healthy, but yet I don't know any other way to become successful without doing it. Yeah, um, I think, well, one, if you love what you do, y'all aren't really working. And like, when you really ask me that question, I don't ever feel like I'm working. Like I got a spreadsheet behind you right now and I'm gonna be reading it like this year. <laughs> you know, like, because I really love what I do. Um, so I think like, that's the first thing. Um, and then secondly, I feel that people do like, they think it's easy. Right. Um, but it's the sacrifice, man. And like, I, I speak at a lot of high schools and, you know, first and foremost, let's get this point clear. A million dollars is a lot of money and it's so hard to ask anybody who's ever made a million dollars. It is so hard to make a million dollars, but guess what's harder? Keep it. Yeah. Cause as soon as you spend $1, you're no longer a millionaire. Right. Right. So it's super hard to make a lot of money. And Mr. Harvey's favorite line is it takes a long time to make a lot of money. And I'm telling y'all these Harvey gems I'm going to drop are going to be good ones. Right. But he uses this analogy. He said, man, look in the first class of airplane. 99% of people in first class of airplane got gray hair. Want to know why? Cause you got to work to get up there. It costs, unless someone's paying their kid, like it costs to get up there and it takes a long time, no matter what way you do it. Now I do believe in working smart um and not hard and trying to become more efficient you know with how i use my time and utilize my efforts but you still have to work hard i mean it's not easy like people all the time it's not easy like you don't understand i've missed so many homecomings i've missed so many birthdays life events um and it's sacrifices like um me and my fiance we ended up breaking up when i first took the job because i was just doing so much I didn't have the time to give to my relationship, right? So it's a lot of sacrifices, but for me, it's delayed gratification versus instant gratification, right? Mm -hmm. So my instant gratification is I can come spend money to go to every party and miss these meetings and, you know, instant gratification is going to the club, buying a section and things that would instantly make me happy. But what's delayed gratification? Delayed gratification is understanding that the sacrifice that I'm paying is later going to pay dividends. So no, I'm not going to spend this money or yes, I'm going to work these extra hours or I'm going to stay around just to see who I might meet, mm. right? So I think I think this generation, I think we're going to be cool because I think my generation, honestly, was, you know, we thought we were failures if we didn't have a million dollars at 18, right? Because mm. they made it 
made it that simple um or that's how it seemed social like social tech the tech bubble like that's when we grew up so um i don't think the tick i know the TikTok makes it seem easy because now everybody's an edutainer and everyone's teaching you how to make a hundred thousand and they're telling you to fast stuff, but they're just doing that because these guys aren't really making money off that whatever they're selling you, they're making money off their following. So mm. they need you to follow them. They need to look like they're getting money. 99% of these guys aren't making money off of it. And if they were, they would tell you that it takes time to make money. You will get some hits. But like those people on TikTok, how many Elon Musk are there? How many Steve Harvey are there? Right? Like 99% of people, is this book called The Millionaire Next Door? You know, like 99% of millionaires are normal working people. Mm-hmm. And they became millionaires not from having a big hit idea. It's come from saving and investing and living below their means. Like, yeah. I highly recommend that book to anybody, period. The Millionaire Next Door. And it's going to teach you the habits of the normal millionaire. The typical millionaire has been living in their house 25 to 30 years. The typical millionaire is usually, you know, has. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Not leasing cars. They own their cars. They have retirement. They have a normal job. Mm-hmm. So hard work. You got you to gotta work hard. And you got to sacrifice. And have faith. Kind of, kind of, you kind of answered my last question because I was going to ask you, young boy, young black boy coming from the hood comes up to you and he wants some advice. And, you know, he says, how did you become successful? Give me some advice. What would you tell him, like, right there in in one minute, 60 it's seconds? It's hard. First piece of advice is hard, but don't quit. And anybody under 18, the first thing I tell them for real, for real, is all your friends are stupid. And you are probably stupid too. Like, let's just be real. I started a shoe company when I was 17 and I used to always tell people, everyone used to ask me why, why you want to start shoes? Why you want to start shoes? But now they ask me how, because they don't have that ability in their head to see where you're going. So I'm gonna say um, hard work, keep working hard, networking. Networking is the most important thing, find a mentor. Listen, you might not find someone in your exact field, but a mentor is a mentor. You can find someone who's an accountant, who can help you and teach you accounting. And then that can be the next introduction, right? Like a mentor is important. Um, And be humble, man. Like it's somewhere bigger, richer, stronger, look better. Like just be humble and treat people the way you want to be treated. Because at the end of the day, like don't be a jerk, bro. Like this, like how you treat people will get you so far. The reason that I got the opportunity to receive farm is because how I treat, I later found out was because how I was treating people at the camp. And like, be willing to do what others aren't, man. Like, seriously, be willing to do what others aren't. Wow. Great advice. You know, well, I, I want to thank you, you know, for coming up here, dropping us with gems. We're going to give you a call. We're going to give you some money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're going to get this going. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But we, I appreciate you, man. You, you got a, a very strong head on your shoulders. Beautiful personality, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Congratulations on your your um you and your wife and you know to wife to be wife to be she would say wife to be you gotta marry her first yeah she tells me that a lot (laughs) (laughs) okay nah she's amazing seriously thank you so much to be we appreciate you for being on with us today and sharing so many gems you teach courses man teach courses you know i think about that but i don't want to charge the people like you know well but you know they, I see a lot of people, $97, because I know um, one of your big supporters, uh, one of, of Steve's big supporters for the foundation is Coach Stormy. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, we met Stormy Wellington at the uh, golf event where okay. we learned that she was like one of the highest donors to the foundation from just as a single person, not a corporation. Um, mm-hmm. And I learned so much about your intellectual property 
and how you don't have to charge people $2,000, but that $97, that $197, it makes the person honest. Like this is something I really want when I go online and log on and pay this little bit of money to be in a community where I can learn. I have, because one of the, the challenges I see with some of the folks that are doing great things, trying to educate people on Instagram, it doesn't, a lot of people can't catch it in those seconds. So that's why those classroom settings are important because you need to be able to ask questions. You don't need trolling and other people with their thoughts. You really need to be focused. And so I hear education coming from you. Um, um, you know, you. so we. Sh- I want you to keep doing that. Thank you all for having me. Uh, I hope to be back next year. I hope I didn't get banned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know the producers don't have their cameras on, so I hope they're not shaking their head, but uh, I'd love to come back and help. And then um, also, like I said, I just want to help you all um, in any way that I can. Like, honestly, like, that's really what I love to do is just like, I like making the play, like John Stock, you know. Well, listen, I like I like to get the alley-oop. If you throw it, I'm going to catch it. Hey, that's all right. well, thank Appreciate you all for having you, me, and I look forward um, to our newfound relationship, man. And, um, I really want to help you guys. Right, out. you want our friends now. That's our. That's our thing. Yeah. Hey. We interview our friends. When y'all come to the A, Jr. Crick is on me. You All just right. left. Yes, All right, cool. Yes. We gonna lock in. I'm gonna see y'all. I'm gonna see you guys soon. I know. Sure. So before you go, though, tell us where we can find you, and also if you have any new ventures, let us know about it so folks can support you. My website is thestevengroup.co. So you can always hit me on one of those platforms if you want to work. And I actually do have a new venture, Off the Leash Media. Um, I'm wearing the merchandise right now. And it's basically a platform. Think of ESPN or Bleacher Reports, but for like French Bulldogs and breeders. So uh, we're connecting the community. Um, if you want to learn, if you're a breeder, uh, you want to learn how to breed, or you're interested, you want to looking for some places to buy a dog or meet new people in that community, just come check us out. All positive information. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but apparently dog breeding is really big industry though. Yeah, they're getting a lot of money, man. I'm coming off the leash, man. Make sure y'all go support my brother off Let's the leash. Off the leash. That's a dope look. See, you got good ideas. Off the leash. Thank you, man. That's what partnerships come into play, man. Like you have to partner with people who are A plus plus and um I do the business. So I didn't think of any of the marketing, but that's why you know partnerships and relationships are so important. So I'm looking forward to building a relationship with you guys. And honestly, we probably do need to book you guys for a dog show that we have coming up. So I'll Listen, Listen, I'm scared of dogs. I'm scared of dogs, but if it can get me closer to my billionaire status, I'll be there. Scared and all. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for for joining us. We'll get soon. Thank you all. That's how we own it. To beating. See, this is this is this gives me hope. Not to say that I think that like most of the young people are like, you know, I don't know, not something. I don't even have the right word to describe it. It's just like, I I do notice that when I'm trying to work with some of the younger people, it's kind of difficult to get like a good, strong work product and people interested in like hustle hard. Like it just seems it's it's difficult. But um, Tabidi said something that I think is so powerful. He's into working smarter, right? So I think in many ways, they also, as younger people, have found out that 
We don't have to go to a nine to five job every day and just do whatever we're told, but actually we can actually create and, you know, and be strategists even at a young age. And I think that if he, that trajectory that he's on, if there are more young people, I'm glad to hear that he's in high schools, because if more young people follow in, not just his footsteps, but really sort of model what they are doing around this idea of being strategists and not just workers, then we might be all right. But it's it's still work though. You know what I'm saying? And I think he said, he said, you got to work hard and and work hard doesn't mean that you exhaust yourself. You, you know, you run around like a chicken. It means that you are intentional about being successful, right? That whatever you, whatever it is that you know it's going to take to acquire that success, you have to do that. And you got to do it constantly because there's somebody else out there that's working hard. They Even if they just sitting in their bed and they're on a the computer, whatever it is that they're doing to get to that level, they have, it has to be done. And I think that's what I, I see a lot of youth, you know, that I see a lot of them have they the dreams. They like, yo, I want to get this. I want this. They, they, they motivate it in their mind. But the actions that it takes to actually get to where you're trying to go, they don't, I don't I don't see I just don't see the energy it's a level of energy and passion that you got to have and and I tell I, I tell my own kids this all the time I would love to give you anything right but I want to see you have to make me believe that that's what you want you can't just say hey oh you know I want this and that I'm gonna invest in you what you invest in you I'll double what you invest in you if I see that you invest in you. So, you know, listening to, to BD, he understands that mindset. He understands, like he says, this is a, a billionaire who, who's got way more money than me and he's moving and, you know, on a trajectory success. And I can't work less than him. Yeah. You know, there's no way. There's no way I should be working less than him when he got way more than I want, yeah. you know, than I, than I, than I have. So, I understand exactly what you're saying about trying to be smarter, work smarter, but it's still that energy got to be there. Got to be that passion and that energy, man. And his personality is so, you know, just, he was just, I don't want to say so sweet because I don't know if that was it, but what he was to me was so authentic and just Mm -hmm. kind. And that takes you a long way when you have, skills, you know, first of all, working for someone like Steve Harvey, you're not going to get to impress him or get the job done just because your social media page is popping. You got to be able to speak to someone and convince people in person that your product, whatever you're selling or whatever you need from them or whatever deal you have is beneficial. That takes interpersonal skills. And oftentimes when I'm talking to some young people, I have to say, speak up, you know, speak up, project your voice, stop mumbling, you know, mm-hmm. which maybe okay. that is huh confidence yeah and maybe that mumbling thing is also a part of the whole mumble rap and like what they listen to in entertainment i don't know but i'm i find myself saying to some of the young people even young people around me what like speak up now i'm as i'm getting older and i'm not even joking like i'm serious as i'm getting older my hearing is not so great in on my left side it's not so great so i realize that sometimes i just don't really even hear but even after i'm like huh like what say the words speak up because where i come from as a professional who's been out here for almost 30 years 
You had to project yourself to explain your position, to speak with clarity, and to really capture a room, an audience, another individual. So that's the way that I learned. And I don't, and, and I think the internet is sort of dumbing that down. And we just got to find a way to have balance. So I think Tabidi, he needs to be out here, really helping to educate our youth on what it takes to be successful. So I love the book. Yes, man, I, I appreciate it, Tabidi. And that brings me into my, I don't get it. You know, being a young black entrepreneur like yourself, shout out to my, my boy Mark with his bear witness clothing, be witness underscore clothing on Instagram. He gave me this. You know, actually, I know I've been supporting all Black-owned businesses, especially clothing around this time. You know, my boycott of Nike. And, um, you know, last week, I made a couple videos of me throwing away my Nikes. You know, and there was the outrage. You know, people made the page. Why are you throwing away Nike? Yo, what's going on? People could use they that. They made a page? You know, I'm not, they didn't make a page. People made oh. all types of posts. There was a post here. Mice did this. It was all over the internet. Mike John's doing this. What do you think? And then people that, oh, well, I'm not doing this. And, and I said to myself, and that's your, that's your prerogative, right? If you, if you pay your money for something, whatever it is that you choose to use, if you buy a $1,000 coat and you decide you want to buy because you want to burn the coat, that is your coat. It is your money. It is your prerogative to do whatever it is you want with your money. When I made my boycott against Nike, Right. It wasn't because I didn't like Nike. I was I, I wanted to sacrifice something. Right. When I looked at how the COO spoke about Kyrie and, and pretty much, you know, devalued him as a man. And, and I know he was speaking about a black man who I know is a good character, a good individual. And I watched him grow up in the industry under the spotlights and try to do things to be, you know, be a beacon of light, as he says, and try to do positive things and always talking about positivity in our community and investing in our community and giving, you know, money to the poor and giving money to those who have tragedies, always doing things like that. And when I heard this, this white man sit up there and speak to him and said he crossed the line and he could just sever a partnership that he was doing with him, it, it made me feel a way. It made me feel like I was watching a slave master tell a boy tell a boy like they used to say boy if you cross that line we're going to do this to you and it, it, it just didn't it didn't sit well with me you know and it wasn't about Kyrie you know people oh Kyrie still I it wasn't so much about Kyrie was the the conduit of what it was his situation made me reflect about my personal opinion about it as a in as a whole so I didn't do it because Kyrie was boycott Nike. Kyrie had his own situation, but when I looked at it, the 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 man himself, the person who was benefiting off me spending my money, I didn't think he should benefit off it anymore. So I made a conscious decision that I wanted to, the same way he said that we cut ties. I wanted to cut ties with Nike, so I invested thousands of dollars of my money in Nike. And a lot of times, you know, people people protest differently. My protest wasn't to go give it to the Salvation Army or give it to this. I've, I've given clothes, I've given food. I, I donate all the time. There's a bunch of things. People, you can't, you don't get to talk to me about donating. I know there are people hungry. And, and, and just like tomorrow, I might go, 
I got a bunch of clothes that I'm cleaning out here. I'm going to go give those to the homeless people. I, I give money to the homeless. I do all types of things. I feed the community. So you don't get to tell me about donating. I know what that looks like. But my protest with these Nikes and throwing them into my incinerator was to let you know that I was willing to not have, right? I was willing to, it's pretty much like I'm willing to burn it and give it up to show you that it doesn't value me. Me giving it to somebody, that's that's self-fulfilling. That's a fulfillment. I'm doing something nice. I'm doing something kind. Somebody else is going to carry on those shoes. I don't care if they're homeless. Somebody might look at me like, damn, I like those. I, where you get these Jordans from? I, I, I want those Jordans. It's still advertisement to me. You might not think it. Some people think, oh, if I see it on the bum, I don't want it. No, I, if I see a, pair, a, bum. a $500. You don't, you don't use the word bum. Well, I'm sorry, a homeless person. If I see $500 sneakers on a homeless person that I know costs $500 when I'm a connoisseur, it's going to still make me say, oh, where you get those for? I'm, let me look up those and go get it. So that mindset that you have didn't fit me. So some of you might want to invest and you want to donate your clothing. I didn't want to donate my Nikes. I wanted to throw mines in the incinerator, right? And, and I didn't understand why so many people were so angry about my personal protest with my personal shoes that I spent my personal money with. If you didn't see, understand the mind state, I said, and I gave, you know, the analogy, if if you have spoiled food, it's a bunch of people that's hungry in the world. But be, when I look at my refrigerator and the food is spoiled, I'm not going to go say, yo, I don't want this. I think it's spoiled. I'm going to give it to a homeless person. No, because I don't even think it's worth eating. So that's how I felt about the Nikes. I don't think that they're even worth wearing. I don't think that we should be continuing. I, me personally, I think we should just completely cold turkey. When, when Nike looks around and they like, yo, nobody in the world is wearing Nike, not even the homeless people, then we got to start figuring out what do, how do we change and we deal with Black communities differently. But the crazy part about it was what I found out. So when I was leaving my building after I threw about 15, 20 pairs of sneakers, into the incinerator, one of the building managers comes to me, he says, hey, he said, you know, I, I heard about the protest you were doing, Nike, let me give you a story. So he's telling me, he says, the young boy, he's in college in this building, you know, and he goes to the church all the time. He's been very, you know, he's going back to school. He doesn't have much of anything, you know, and, and last weekend, he had put $20 into the collection plate you know, praying, just to pray. That was probably his last $20. And, you know, we trying to help him through school. And he did, he was telling me how he was in some real bad times. And he said he came, We he was working in the incinerator in the building. And all of a sudden, he opens these boxes and see these sneakers. He said he prayed so hard. He, 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 he believed in God so much after seeing those sneakers. And I said to myself, that wasn't my intention, but God had his own intention. God thought that man should get those sneakers. So I donated them to the incinerator and the incinerator donated to that man. So people's blessings come in different ways. You know, my, 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 my mind state was never to give it to anyone, but God saw it fit that that man would get those sneakers. So I just try to tell you everybody's protests and everybody's blessings and everybody's situation is different. So don't get, you don't get to tell me what to do with mine. God wanted that man to have those sneakers that I threw away. You know, so that's, that's how that goes. I heard you say more than one time, burn, using the word burn. So I don't encourage that anyone burn because we do have an environment to protect and burning rubber 
and burning shoes and materials and all of that is actually not healthy for us and this is in our society so we don't want to burn things um i know the history of you know c dolores tucker uh rolling over cds on the ground um which is different because at least we could say that i forget the artist that she it was uh some some um i forgot i i know the story sometimes uh, was it Tupac? Are you sure? I believe so, because I remember Tupac spoke about her. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, so, you know, because she was protesting certain lyrics and but that would be a a, a, a black artist and a black woman. And so there was some conflict there. I think over time, more people have begun to recognize the point she was making. Right. So even if we still would say, well, you know, we don't have to attack our own, but we do understand more now that some of the content in our music, in the music industry from back then, she was trying to say it's harmful to our people. I don't know yet how to reconcile those two things because I, just like I said, we're all walking contradictions. I can sit and listen to Drop Down and Get Your Eagle On and all kinds of music that I know is degrading towards women and still talk about empowerment and still understand that those lyrics are not helpful to our young people. So we all have these contradictions of what we deal with as humans, which is off topic, but it's just my thought process of what I go through when trying to reconcile the brand, the people behind the brand, the uh, the you know the, the 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 white folks who are inside of these companies that have literally zero respect for black people outside of wanting us to spend our money. So there's so many elements working all together. Because even when I think about the music industry side, there is somebody that profits from us degrading ourselves and the lyrics that we use um, sometimes in our community that can escalate situations um, that keeps us sort of dumbed down or that really in some ways glorifies a lifestyle that we want to try to move our people away from. There are people that benefit from that. So, you know, it, know that the two things might not be exactly the same, but that's one of the things that I've really been wrestling with when I saw you with your protests and then thinking back to the history of C. C. Dolores Tucker. What I will say is that I, when we had our the the boycott against Gucci, I packed up every piece of Gucci that I had all the way down to you know I had gloves, I had little earrings, I had several shoes, multiple bags. Gucci was the first purse that I received. Like when I was a young girl and I, somebody uh, set, I don't know who it was. I was 17 years old. Might've been my mom. I don't know, but somebody bought me a cute little Gucci purse. I still had that purse and put it in the rotation at, you know, whenever I bring it back out. Cause you know, the classics are always, um, they always good. And I packed up every single thing and put it away. And it's been packed up because I refuse to one, wear it ever again. I've not purchased anything from Gucci since the blackface sweater, in case people don't know why we decided to boycott Gucci. Um, you know, because of 
the black face sweater that they put out, which you can go look it up. I packed it up, haven't used it, haven't purchased not one item, you know, no matter how cute the stuff looks, like you said, it's a personal sacrifice. What I think is what I'm, I'm challenged by three points in this. The first thing is that there are people who want to try to, uh, well, for, let, let me say this. There's three pieces, three points on this that I wrestle with. The first thing is that my boycott doesn't mean yours, right? We're not dumb. We know that in order to call a national, international boycott against a major corporation, it requires more than my son throwing out some sneakers, Tamika and my son getting on the internet saying we're done with the brand. It takes more than that, right? It takes Lots of folks to get involved. You got to get the message out beyond social media because sometimes we live in the bubble of social media and think that all of our people are seeing and hearing it and they're not. They just don't know. They don't know about what's going on. They're not necessarily following each person. The, 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 the mainstream media is not going to cover it. So it takes more than that. But there is a community of people who do share your ideals and beliefs. They might not throw everything away in the incinerator, but they still have decided during this holiday season and maybe for the rest of my life, I'm not purchasing my Nike anymore because I don't like what I heard come out of Phil Knight's mouth, right? They have a right to that. We have a right to that. And all you got to do is you don't got to take the time to go on somebody's page and tell them about how I ain't boycotting Nike. I'm not, you don't have to do that. You can just keep moving and let the community that's building that has made that decision do what they are doing. So that exactly. because, because, because guess what? All of these corporations, if you really want to talk about it, every single one of them, I would say, except Ben and Jerry's, because they really try to do a good job of being a, an advocate, an ally, and an accomplice in the community. But other than that, I don't know many corporations that people shouldn't and can't say, I'm done with it for whatever reason. It's, it's a million reasons. Amazon workers, right? If you ask Ben Crunk right now, he's going to tell you about all the people that he's suing for different things that has happened. Johnson & Johnson and the cancer products with the powder. Over here, over there, it's something. So protecting brands at this point, we don't have to do that. Somebody could just wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I decided I don't support such and such no more. And I bet you we can find reasons to back up why what that person is saying about these white-led corporations, right? So I, I, I deal with that. The next thing is I saw people on my page when I posted Phil Knight, and this is, it might take me a little second to explain it, but it's important. I saw people on my page when I posted Phil Knight's statements saying, why are you supporting anti-Semitism by saying, you know, by, by, by supporting Kyrie and boycotting Nike? And that, that and, the, and some of the people who said it, I, I looked at some profiles, some of them were white folks. And it really pissed me off because what people do is, they understand the ability to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time in their own community. They can say, well, we can challenge an individual for doing something that is harmful or wrong or whatever, and then still 
maybe, you know, let them come back to work. As we saw, Kyrie's going to make money for the NBA, for, for the Nets. He could go back to work so they can reconcile that two things can happen at the same time. They can reconcile in their own communities how they can support uh, some people can support uh, the, the the relationship that the U.S. has with uh, Israel-Palestine, but then also say that they want to see the conflict in and the people of Palestine be made whole. So they can they can reconcile those two things. Why is it so difficult for people to see and understand that from our perspective, Kyrie apologized for what he did. You and I have been very clear in explaining that a denial of the Holocaust and anything that makes a people, the white Jews, evil, that's something we don't support. Kyrie also said that. He apologized. We talk, They said, well, it took him too long. Listen, we are human. We are human, right? And so he, find, he got to the point where he understood it. He said he was defensive. He understood it. He apologized. He did what he had to do. We can say, Kyrie, and we can say, by the way, Nike has the right not to do business with him anymore. They got the right to do that. What we're talking about just like we have learned about anti-Jewish tropes. So saying things like, well, you know, they control everything. Those are things that is harmful to the Jewish community because of the history of how them being in control of everything makes them look and the fact that there are people who literally want to harm them for that statement, right? We can understand that. Why is it so hard for people to understand that saying a black man stepped over the line from a white man at his age that comes from a certain era, that that is also, though that is an anti-black trope? I don't get it. I don't understand why that's not clear, that I can challenge the film. I can also ask the question of why Amazon still has it up. I can also appreciate Kyrie standing up like a man and saying that he apologized. And I cannot like the way that Phil Knight spoke about a black man. Is that hard? It's hard when you don't want it, when you don't want to understand what's going on, when you just want to focus on something because you want to deflect and you don't want to deal with the, the whole situation in totality. Of course, it's hard. It's, it's, it's almost impossible for somebody that doesn't want to listen to reason or be able to have or want you to have proper discernment, right? They, they want you to focus on something when we're talking about there's a, a whole pie and they go, look, the little burnt piece right there. And you're like, yeah, but there's a whole pie here. And I'm gonna talk about the whole pie. We see the burnt piece, we're gonna say it's burnt, but we're gonna talk about the whole pie. So, you know, it's it's actually deflection and it's, it's gaslighting. And well, right, because we've learned a lot about gaslighting over the last several years. My last point, is that, as I said, everybody does things differently. I'm not going to go take every pair of Nike. By the way, I probably wouldn't even have any sweatsuits to wear other than Until Freedom if I gathered up all my Nike sweatsuits because that's pretty much all I have in there, even though I'm, I'm more than likely not going to be wearing them. But nonetheless, I probably won't throw it all in the incinerator. I probably will never, it's two pair of Nikes that I have that I'm telling y'all right now, I'm probably still gonna wear. But the rest of it, it's not that serious to me. I'm not that caught up in, I have to have any of it 
when I understand that the level of disrespect that I felt or the, the way that I felt, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to hear a white man use certain language because it triggers me. And then when I put on his brand, I'm walking around with that on me. I don't want that. Right. So I'm probably never going to put it on again. And if I but I do recognize that there may come a day when there's a new man that heads Nike. Right. There's a new spirit that comes into Nike that makes us feel better. And we feel like, OK, this brand is back in our good graces. And I might pull it back out. That's my choice. But I can't be mad at you because you choose to say you're never wearing it again. That's what this freedom of choice is supposed to yeah, be. And, and that's what it is. It's for me, it's it. like, I, I've come to a conclusion in my life that certain, that especially as black people, we control by certain things, right? Because even the anxiety of me saying, damn, I ain't gonna be able to wear my sneakers. I'm getting rid of my sneakers. And I'm like, yo, this shit is just sneakers. Like, what, what, what is it about these sneakers that make me feel some level of pain or, or frustration? Why do I feel attached to some shit that don't define me, has never done nothing for me? It's actually the people who actually own this are, are, would do things to harm me and probably have invested in things that harm me. So why do I, I need to be connected? Now, I don't have any problem with somebody else, but I just think what happens is when you have a level of strength and power when you self-empower, it, it 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 bothers people. I realize that I'm very I'm very um, passionate about things that I do. I'm very bottom lineish. When I get to my mind that some shit is bottom line, it just is what it is for me. And I notice that it bothers people who don't have that, right? It bothers people who just want to be status quo and want to peacefully coexist. I can coexist with somebody who loves Nike. Is a lot of in a lot of the um artists and I love and I'm gonna see them and I'm not gonna and I don't feel a way that you love Nike, but you shouldn't feel a way that I don't give a fuck about it. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what it is. When you when you when you don't have a level of power and you don't have strength to do certain shit, you envy it in somebody else. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Cause I keep asking people, what does my sneakers do to harm you, whether I throw them away or not? Why does it make you feel a way? Does it, or do you work for Nike? Are you getting a, you know, am I doing something to take away from your reality? I don't speak about things unless I feel like they negatively affect something that I actually stand on. I'm, I represent, you know, that I benefit from organizations that I'm connected to. Usually when you hear me, it's talking about violence. It's talking about negativity. It's talking about things that are affecting these kids in a negative way. I speak, if I speak about somebody that does, you know, that, that contributes to those things, that's what my, you know, that's what the, the gripe is. But my personal sneaker should never be a gripe with nobody. There should never be a gripe what I do. Because if I wouldn't have told you, you wouldn't know. And, and I did it because I know there are some people that want to unplug from this shit. It's people that want to be like, yo, this shit don't define me. And they don't know, they don't see nobody else that they respect or see nobody that they have a level of respect or understanding for take that type of stance. So I, I wanted to make it seem like, yo, you ain't the only one that don't care about none of this shit. If you want to separate and get out this matrix, then it's a it's some of us that's doing it. And it was a representation of it, man. It's, I was actually advertising us separating ourselves from some shit that don't mean us no good. So it, I don't know about clout chasing. I've never been a nigga to chase clout. I don't even know what that is. That's somebody else. 
but I understand we live in the internet era and everybody else is advertising their way of life and advertising their mentality. And a lot of that shit is rubbing off negatively. So I wanted to give my advertisement on what I stand on and get the people that want to follow that and believe that that's something to stand on. Something, you know, somebody that's a representative to say, fuck it, I want to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And you know what I think is the last point is that, and and Janice um, on our production team, she, she made a very good point earlier today that we are so connected to these brands that we would rather buy from the brand, no matter how much is killing our pockets or whatever, then we will support our own. And that's something that all of us have fallen victim to. I personally buy from anybody. Like I could buy from whatever community. I went to Africa and you saw me. I went crazy buying everything that I could. You know, there's my parents instilled that in me from a young age because the Mark 100, first of all, Mark 125 that I wish they could, you know, for any someday, please bring it back. If there's anybody out there listening, the Mark 125 was the most special place in Harlem because it was right on 125th Street. And it was a big open mart that had all Black people selling jewelry, coats. I mean, it was a few non-Blacks, but it was Black people heavy. The Even the food and the food court, all of that was cultural people doing nails. I used to do nails in the mark. Can you believe that? I wasn't like a nail person at the time. I wasn't that great. It lasted about two weeks, but nonetheless, so I was there. Then, you know, we used to have all the vendors outside. I've always found cool things with vendors that I can add to my look. You know, also the Mark 125, I mean, the Mark 116th Street, which is now, for anybody who's in Harlem, who's listening to this, you could go to 116th Street in Harlem right now today. And there are, the African community is there. They can make anything you want them to make in terms of dresses, putting fabric on suits. So I've always been into that. And I buy stuff from brands. Absolutely. I buy from brands. I buy from friends. I'm one of those people. Sometimes I get messages from boutiques online, right? Because one of the things I got to do better is that I actually purchase things in my own name. That's probably something I need to change. But if I see something I like on Instagram, I click the, pe the people's page, purchase their little dresses and different things. I'm not that good with putting it on and showing it. But I, I do that. My book tour, I had a bunch of Black brands that the stylist pulled for me and or purchased items for me. But I get messages from boutiques all the time like, wow, or they'll put little notes in my box when the things come and say, thank you so much for supporting us. And it's a direct purchase. And again, I buy brands. So I do all of that. We give Black people a lot of money around this country when we go, if it's a bus company for a tour, if it's food, shout out to Quita, our chef in Kentucky, instead of us going into a city and eating food from folks that we're protesting against that know us and we don't know who's cooking in the kitchen, we hired a Black woman who cooked for us every day, two times a day. I mean, we the, the security team, the car services, Everything that we do, we try to employ, if it's not black, it's brown, it's our people. And even if it is white folks, it's white folks that's conscious about the issues. And so we just all we're saying is, like you said, if we feel it and it feels disrespectful, we don't need you that bad anyway. Just don't. So it's, it's, it's that quick. It can just be over without a problem. And there it is.
And with that said, brings us to the end of another dope episode. Shout out to PDC, to BD, to BD Stevens. And with that said, brings us to the end of another great episode of the number one podcast in the world, Street Politicians. Shout out to Tabidi Stevens for his masterclass that he gave us today. And um, shout out to y'all for supporting us, man. Keep on tuning in. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like, what you want to hear. Follow us at Street Politicians Pod on Instagram. DM us. Give us your feedback, man. We appreciate y'all. Once again, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika D. Mallory is not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.